Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. We will pick up a theme uh, so far this year of the intersection of art and life. In last episode, I had my uh, younger son, Caden Foster, on uh, talking about art. And today I'm joined by another great friend of mine, Allison Crow. Allison is a, got a very unique, um, like diverse uh, role, and she owns a company called Soulful Living, which is a cool name from a branding perspective. And she is an intuitive life, business, and leadership coach with um, emphasis on uh, internal family systems and a deep knowledge of ADHD as well. Um, so um, welcome, Allison. Thank you very much. And Good. my deep knowledge of ADHD is not really professional yet. Right. Um, I just was diagnosed last year, right after my 50th birthday, so 11 months. Yeah. And so most of it, um, I don't really want to claim any professional knowledge, but sure. I definitely have had some serious awareness and yeah. shifts are already taking place. And then I realized a lot of my clients are ADD too, and they haven't been diagnosed. Right. I think yeah. you're seeing that. I mean, we're roughly around the same age with our generation, you know, we're like, oh, that's, that's why I am the way I am. You know, that the, where there's much more neurodivergence than we, mm -hmm. than we realized. And, um, you know, I, my, my kid, my sons, my old, my, my biological sons and my stepson, they, they all, you know, I have, I'm sure not like an official diagnosis, but they have mm -hmm. all of the traits of ADHD. And, um, I view it most days as a gift, um, Today, though, I'm, I'm I'm not so much this afternoon, but this morning I was very dysregulated. And the difference now is awareness. Like, oh, I'm dysregulated. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that, you know, um, and I find it interesting too, when you when you kind of get this holy trinity of uh, uh, ADHD, HSP, and complex PTSD, you get a very sort of, exactly, you get a very yeah. sort of, um, distorted lens really on on what's real and what's not real and that's yeah, part it's of a lot to manage yeah. too <laughs> it's a lot to manage, right yeah and uh i also wanted to mention that you're the author and i'll link to this a lot author of a book called unarmored which has a very awesome subtitle which is finding home in the wild edges of being human very david white sounding of you <laughs> So. Yeah, I actually was inspired by um, Francis Weller. He has a book called The Wild Edge of Sorrow. And that oh. I was talking with my marketing person in my book um, publisher. And I was just like, oh, and that that phrase came out. And we were like, that's it. Yes. And exactly. then I realized that actually encompasses my body of work mm -hmm. since the day I became a professional anything. Yeah is yeah. this permission and modeling of wild edge of being human because so much is what I call container store plastic. Yes. Right yeah. in the middle. Tolerable. Yes. Yeah. yes. And there's a lot of that with these, you know, we've all been given these frameworks and I'm learning this so much more related to even like American culture where um, I wrote an essay about it a few weeks ago called the piece of shit doctrine where mm -hmm. we've got these things that have given us frameworks like um, fundamentalist Christianity that has had a huge impact on American culture. And most people mm -hmm. don't, even, don't realize it. Um, another one is abuse. 
um, you know, mm-hmm. going to generational abuse and systemic abuse like uh, mm-hmm. misogyny or racism, but mm-hmm. also, mm-hmm. you know, home abuse from, you know, parents or, or caretakers. And then consumerism is its own form of like telling you you're a piece of shit. You know, this is where like body shaming comes in or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, those various things. And I think those are true for everybody. They're true for neurodiverse people and neurotypical people. But those of us that are neurodiverse, we feel all that shit a lot more. Um, and it does affect our lives. It seems a bit more than people that would be neurotypical. I like the way you said that you said a lens, right? And then I imagined, so these are not those glasses, but I have one of those pair eyewear glasses that have the magnetic frames, right? Yeah. And instead of just having one magnetic frame, sometimes to get to my, my clarity, Allison's clarity, I have to sort through quite a few different lenses. Um, and that mental load is, and, and we will talk about it because I know your questions ahead of time, but that mental load can be really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to have the before and after diagnosis, because now I'm like, oh, this is what it is instead of, oh, something's fucking wrong with me. Why can't I figure this out? Yeah. yeah. How and- come it's so easy for everybody else? And I don't do this. You know, yes. why am I so sensitive and everybody else doesn't even right. bother? And I know yeah. that I shouldn't feel this, but I do feel this. And so, yeah, a lot of torture before my diagnosis. Yeah, I was talking to my partner about this earlier this week about we have to get to the baseline belief, the negative belief, especially if you're a trauma mm-hmm. survivor. And mine is mm-hmm. still, I still struggle with the narrative that something's wrong with me. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I have that. And even this morning, waking up feeling, you know, I have weird dreams. And di- I, the term I use now is mm-hmm. so much more accurate, is dysregulated. I had to first mm-hmm. deal with that voice. And something my therapist told me, who's an IFS specialist in her work. Oh, really? um, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So she told me, she said, well, it's not a part. It's not a part. She goes, it's an, is it an outside voice? I said, yeah. And she says, you can tell it to get the fuck out of there. Like she literally said that, which I think was awesome. Oh, okay. And I kind of view it as like somebody like uh, 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 you know, that, that voice of unworthiness is... It, it, we have to do something with it because the other things we're not going to change. We're suddenly not, not going to have ADHD or be an HSP. We can't get rid of the fact that we did experience trauma, but we can get rid of the voice. We can get rid of it. Um, And that's what I'm actively working on. I'm realizing how much that influences, like there's a tinge of that unworthiness in so many aspects of my life that I'm now seeing. Um, so. Yeah, mine shows up as there's something wrong. And yeah. a, a distinction my therapist just gave me two weeks ago was because, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, am I broken? Like, is there something that needs to be fixed? And and he said, um, so the dysregulation and you're struggling, you're not broken, you're struggling. Yes. And then I realized when he said that, I was like, oh, I wasn't allowed to struggle That's as right. a kid. And so now I'm giving myself the both end of like, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm okay. And I'm struggling Yes. or I'm safe and I'm, str- I'm it's right. safe to struggle. Yes. That has been, you know, it's yeah. 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 That's and, and we're cursed. Those of us neurodiverse types are cursed with perfectionism in our own form because we learned mm-hmm. that we had to be something that we weren't. Um, and we could mm-hmm. go on and on about that, but I love, that's why I love, wanted to have you on because 
we it's not that we've had different experiences and different trainings, but we speak kind of the same language. And I think that's fascinating right. that happens. So the first question and this theme, the general theme of today is, is this conversation is art and ADHD. And as you said, neither of us are professionals at ADHD other than professionally managing our own ADHD. Right. And that's yes. in me, service of my better, profession. Right. A way better Especially. perspective than, you know, uh, academic credentialing. Not that that's not mm-hmm. important, but that's not what we're here to do is so and and you as a creator yourself, um, someone that is a very, very um, artistic, um, the first question is, how does ADHD affect creativity, both both in terms of ideation and output, which are two separate things? How does ADHD affect it? Uh, I have an, an image that I created on an iPad years ago. It's in my book. I can't remember what chapter, but it's a tiny little stick figure and then a giant thought bubble. And in the giant bubble are all these different colors, um, just huge, colorful thoughts. And there's another little tiny person like looking up going, whoa. And for me the the idea side is the gifts um because there are so many and my ability to process ideas and information goes at Mach 10 the idea to see the surface of something and then see 27 layers and all the branches both internally and systemically um, I can I can make the connections. I can start new rabbit holes, um, and it's not linear. It it kind of does that, mm-hmm. and I think that led to a lot of frustration with output because which idea do I start with? Like I do a writing practice every morning with a group of people, and you know when I was working on my book, it was great because I was working on my book. And after the book was finished, I still show up to writing practice because I write (laughs) and I'm like, what am I going to write today? I have 27 ideas. Mm -hmm. And so I really have to slow down and listen within to which ideas are ready to output. Yeah. And the output, you know, I I have trouble finishing things. Mm -hmm. Um, I have output I noticed that when I write because I have the impulse to get it out there right now and while I'm writing I don't see typos so in general I'll write something and put it out in public and then I will reread it two or three times editing it two or three times (laughs) it's my process I'm fine with it because I don't want it to wait I just you know and I, I I edit from a different space in my brain than the creativity of the flow and and so um Hmm. you know I there are so many ideas and it is one of the reasons I'm kind of multi-passionate professionally and I'm so thankful to be I remember up until I became a coach I had lasted about two years in any business or job because I would get bored and what I love about the coaching industry is that my conversation is allowed to change without me changing jobs yes Yes. I can follow ideas without having to start a whole new career. Right. right. Yeah. It's that sort of uh, polymythic uh, approach. I, th- I think I just made up a word, but um, 
It's, yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting that awareness that you have um, because we don't we don't lack ideas most of the time. Um, sometimes there's a spiritual component here where lack of dopamine will feel a lot like a lack of sacral energy. And that's why mm-hmm. I found like with creativity, when we look at it through kind of the wheel of life or Taoism or, you know, um, uh, there's a, that there's an energy source that gets um, just covered over by a fog. And that fog could be the pressures of life. Sure. But mm-hmm. the fog is also overstimulation, a much more narrow window of window of tolerance um, and overwhelm um, and all, you know, all of those various components. And so one of the things that I have learned to do is see ADHD as a little bit of a, of a dashboard indicator, um, meaning that it doesn't mean um, like the, the tendency for me has been to power through um, often at uh, with sort of delayed impulsivity on the back end of powering through, um, you know, do do the work and then, you know, eat a giant bag of, you know, M&Ms or something. <laughs> and, and what I now know is that a lot of the, my behavior as it relates to creativity unto itself is sort of dopamine seeking. And now that I know that I can, I can see, I was like, oh, what I need to do here is I need to let this marinate. I need to let it settle. I don't need to lock in the fact that I set out to myself, it's on the calendar. I need to be done writing by 10 o'clock. I don't need to do that. Um, and so, um, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, the the ability to multi-think and the ability to, you know, capture all of these ideas. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've got Apple notes and journals and I'm just, I, you know, I want to write it all down. Um, now, what I'm telling myself is it doesn't all need to be turned into content. Um, but right. yeah, but it's, but it, what a gift. You know, I, that's why I'm always, I'm curious about this with, with your clients or people that you know that are more neurotypical and they're like, I don't know what to create. I don't know what to write about. Or I was like, damn, I don't know what to not write about. Like there's so many things. I, I feel like sometimes I could have like six different podcasts just because I have, I've, I have so many different ideas that I don't, I don't get a lot of value from just having ideas. I like to express them and play with them. Like we're doing right now. That's yeah. I know all related to creativity and ADHD and it's influenced by that. And probably like me, you can probably, let's say I'm in the context of helping a business owner client and all my clients are business owners. Yeah. I know how to take, we can we can have an idea and chase it out to Pluto and do twirlies around every single planet on the way back. And I can bring it back to their marketing and their business apps. Like I can tie it. I can see clients with seven different issues and I can see how it relates to every single one, even though their issues are different. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, you know, I think the distinction for me, so I didn't pick up a paintbrush again or my artist self until 2013. And, um, what was it, how that happened is as a trainer in corporate, I just had an inkling to use the dry erase markers that there is like a thing at office depot of 15 colors instead of the four pack. And I just wanted more color. And that led to so many things, but that came up from the inside. There was no pressure. No no one said you need to make a 15 color notes when you're making notes on 
whatever, you know, and I did visual facilitation mm-hmm. for a long time. And so I noticed that I actually, I wrote down, I trust the creative process in me. Mm-hmm. I've built that over time. And one of the reasons I call myself an artist, not just because I paint, but like I'm a maker in life and I trust the process of the cycles. And so I don't put deadlines on myself ever. My, my poor assistant is like, when do we need to have this by? And I was like, I don't know. It'll come when it comes Mm -hmm. and it'll come when it comes. And I've been in business long enough to know that when, when I don't, when both the ideas and the output are quite like when someone puts a deadline on me or hurry, we need to get out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, but I'm, I need to like, I need some space to both marinate and to output. Yeah. All of it. Space is a key yes. word. Space. <laughs> right. And I don't with ideation, I don't rush ideation because when, when it comes, it comes and mm-hmm. Then execution, a lot of it kind of takes care of itself because it, then it's just a, just a process. You know, it's okay. I, I'm going to write it. I'm going to write my essay or record the episode or whatever, or write the poem or whatever I'm doing. I'm going to write it. And when it comes, it comes. And then now I know what to do. And I can kind of just like let my executor brain take over because it doesn't require executive function because I've done it so many times. Yeah. Um, the executive. And you're fun- interested in it. Right. <laughs> the executive function issue and i've talked about this in the episode with caden but it really kicks in on the ideation phase more like where i i Mm. I get i get dis i get undisciplined about capturing ideas and then i sit down and go okay i have to write as opposed to i get to write about blank um and and that's Mm. been a tweak for me as well uh related to you know harnessing adhd instead of fighting against it um so Interesting. You know, it's funny that you say that because I look around my desk and and one of your questions will get to is systems, but right, this is, I'm holding up for audio listeners, I'm holding up a tiny white piece of paper that says space is what heals the heart as fuck. And it's (laughs) not necessarily ready for the public. It's like a sticky note, but it's smaller than a sticky note. And I have it sitting in this stuff on my desk that I clean three or four times, but that is something at some point I want to write about. And it requires way, like, I really want to nurture into it. And so I just let it float in the piles around. And one of these days I'll see it and be ready. Or I'll see it and go, it's no longer relevant. And I'll toss it in the recycle bin. So mm-hmm. I, I feel you on that, right? And and for me, what's softened that is just, there is no idea I've lost. I think I remember deciding this one time, like if I, because I used to be in that scarcity place, I might forget this. I might forget this. I, you know, I'm at dinner with friends and let me write this on my phone. And then I'm disconnected. I I came to a belief that every idea I'm supposed to have, I will remember at the right time, kind yeah. of really, but, but also like really solid. Like I can put all those ideas up in the cosmic crock pot or in piles oh. on my desk and they will sh- They'll show up at the right time. They'll show up at the right time. Yeah. But I've also, Justin, I've made space in the morning. I don't start working with clients until maybe 1030. Most mm. of my clients don't start till 11. And so from very early in the morning, I don't have kids at home anymore. I'm down to one dog. So mm-hmm. very early in the morning, I have from 630 AM until 11 to 
not only get ready and walk dogs and have coffee, mm -hmm. but to marinate around my creative ideas. And then I am usually at my desk by eight o'clock mm -hmm. um, for writing practice with other people. And, and so I've, you know, I heard you talking in that about like, he was saying something about having the creative discipline. I don't even think of it as discipline. I just know when I do my nurturing practices, mind, body, health, creativity, I, I am happier. Yeah. I function better. And that's become a, a regulation thing, right? The, right. that's your, your next question. Yeah. Just, yeah. So good segue. <laughs> no, good segue. It's a, it's a, it's about that. It's like, you know, on the first question, how does ADHD affect creativity? But also then on the flip side, how does creativity uh, re help regulate ADHD? Yeah, they're, they're mutually symbiotic. Well, I think mutually and symbiotic means. Yeah, they are symbiotic. They're symbiotic. Yeah, Mobius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I do notice, like, I like, I like to write, but my brain thinks first in words, second in pictures. Uh -huh. um, and, and I am just now learning. So what's interesting about this picture, and I'll, I'll share a picture and you can put it in notes so they can yeah, see please. it. And I wrote it about it in this book, but I did that picture in about 2014. And if I were to draw this self picture now, I would have a much bigger body. And mm -hmm. I think it's very Freudian that there's just a tiny little figure in this thinking bubble is so big but mm. because of my trauma I left my body yeah and I wondered I asked my therapist and then answered the question I was like how the hell did I have 13 clients a day and I was like I drank two bottles of wine yeah and I was busy non-stop like an hour drive to work 13 coaching yeah. sessions a day. Then we'd sit around the office and drink a bottle of wine. And then I would have another glass of wine at dinner. And then I would drive home and then I would have the rest, you know, of the bottle from last night. That's how I used to, I didn't even know it then. I right. just thought that was my social existence. Oh, I was regulating my nervous system with a depressed, a central nervous system depressant. Yes. And there was, there was thinking creativity, but it was, it was so limited. And so now um, I make very specific, like if I'm really overwhelmed, my answer is not even to write. I go straight to, I keep my watercolors at my desk. I have a new desk coming today mm. um, to make a little bit more space for painting. But I, I used to paint really big in acrylic and um, I, I made a move towards simplicity. And so I have a desk size you know, paper, something that's just right here that mm -hmm. it doesn't, I don't have to get out all my supplies and I will just start. I don't even paint anything. I just put color spots. It's like right. a, a somatic experience, right? I just start making color swatches. Right. And a lot of times I'll go through every color. So you see all these, I'm not really calling doing it rainbows, but I'm, I'm, it's a regulation thing and it slows my thinking down. Yes. And so because I can overthink and overprocess, there are times, so watching TV, I love watching TV. Mm -hmm. When I'm watching TV or when I'm playing a match three game on my on my iPad, like I'm back into, um, oh, Candy Crush. <laughs> I put that down for years, but like, I'm embarrassed to say I'm like on level 800 of Candy Crush. And my husband used to be, is like, why are you killing trolls? And I was like, no, you don't understand. There's no words on this. And there's a visual rhythm yeah. that 
when I'm doing that and maybe watching one of our shows, it gives my thinking brain rest. Yeah. And instead of drinking. Mm-hmm. And so that that creative time and for me creative time is really messy mm-hmm. physically mentally but every i did it this morning on writing practice i just i showed up and i was like i'm crying mm-hmm. i was having this thing with my mom and it went i was just feeling grief about not getting this because she has this problem and I have this problem like no event just it was just this thing of grief came up and I said I'm probably gonna write about that and so I wrote about that and when I was done I was completely regulated I didn't have to like do any special meditation right and that was the biggest joke for years everybody's like meditate um could somebody please let the meditators know that that is really fucking hard for those of us with ADHD. Yeah. And yeah. it's something we, we really need to know how to regulate our bodies and our nervous systems before we even begin that, or we're just going to beat ourselves up because it's another thing we can't do like everybody else does. Yeah, That's I mean, on in my we'll, experience, we'll get into the systems in a second. Cause I, I want to circle back to that, but I love the, raw authenticity of hearing about your process about how creativity helps you and for me um it's about presence Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. creativity and presence are the same thing to me um because you don't really create an abstract you don't create an um existential you know bill you not really i mean you create worries i suppose but or an identity crisis but real creativity is presence. And so some of the things I do to use creativity to help regulate ADHD is I consider, I, I call it fresh eyes. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just sit on my couch and, and the, and we have the, the house that we're living in has the bookshelves on either side of this fi- of the fireplace and, and, the, and some artwork above the fireplace. And I, I sit and I try to notice something I didn't notice before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that exercise or go outside nature Mm -hmm. is a great teacher Mm -hmm. of that but the other thing I do a lot is I try to convert like if I'm dealing with like dysregulation especially related to anxiety or RSD rejection you know rejection Mm -hmm. (laughs) I in order to get into my heart I because once I'm in my heart I'm safe it's a safe my own heart is the safest place on earth for me Yes. And yes. once I'm there, then what I can be is a teacher. And so what I do a lot of is I create frameworks and I ask myself, mm-hmm. okay, if I had to teach somebody how to get through this shit, what would I do? How would it look? Mm-hmm. And now this kind of dichotomous part of me, my engineer brain kicks in and it's like, yeah, here's the framework and here's the continuum or the quadrant or the you know, the, 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 whatever it is. And to me, that is so soothing mm-hmm. multidimensionality of an idea and to look down and it is art to me to look at like a Venn diagram or, uh-huh. or a continuum curve or something like that, or an infinity loop. I love that shit because it's, it's, it's its own dopamine hit. Cause it's a sense of accomplishment. It's like mm-hmm. you made like an idea baby mm-hmm. with this, you know, and I'd say 80% of them never see the light of day, 
because they really are kind of regulation tools. They're not, you know, I, I got to at least stay focused on the work that I do, <laughs> that I can't go out and be too much, too diverse in what I'm offering the world or it hurts my brand. Right. So, but it sure helps me to regulate with creativity. I do a lot of poetry to people, especially mm-hmm. my 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 partner Virginia. Yeah. I read a lot of poems to her um, because it's its own exercise. I'm very very I'm, I love Pablo Neruda, um, mm-hmm. his poetry, and you know it's translated from Spanish or Brazilian, I can't remember, to English, and it's still amazing, even if it's not in its original tongue or Rainer Rilke also, you know, written in German, translated to English or Rumi is like, I love using language to try to give um, some ontological structure to, to very complex feelings. That's soothing to me as well. Yeah. I like um, Mary Oliver. Mary Oliver. Yeah. When you, that your, your subtitle reminds me of her poem. She talks about the soft animal parts. Yeah. All right. The warm animal of our body. And then I remember I have a book on one of her, like an anthology on my desk. And one time I opened it up and she was inspecting uh, an animal carcass that had been hit by a car. And I was just like, okay, this is fucking brilliant. It is brilliant. Right. I was like, this is my, yeah. Yeah. I so feel that. Well, let's talk about Um, systems. You started to touch on some of them is is what are some systems and practice that that ADHDers can do, especially those of us that make a living as a creator. And I say make a living. I don't mean make money. I'm just saying it's part of our life. It's not not a hobby. It's an extension of our us-ness. What are some systems and practices that you've seen that you feel might be useful to um, ADHDers out there? Well, one of them is internal family systems mm-hmm. and even today helping I have a, a membership and there were a group of people and two different people came with two totally different issues one person came with um wanting to be liked like noticing the part of themselves that wants to be alive and another one was like got triggered about money and I use internal family systems different than any way it's been used on me because I do exactly what you just said I actually, most of my clients are head led, they're heart centered, but their head is their major coping skills. So they're really smart people. And so I will break down what's happening, help them break it down and then guide them through a process. So that's the front porch, you know, helping them see protectors, helping them see that that they are not that, that is a part of them. And then I can use some form of communication, visual, auditory, um, sensory to guide them to presence with that part. And when I've tried to guide them to presence with that part without it making sense, they don't know what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. And most of the time people that are therapists, I don't know about so many other coaches, but they don't even tell you all the language, but I use the framework mm-hmm. and show them the framework so that they're more likely to relax in. And so one system for sure is recognizing the difference between my core self and my parts. Just seeing myself differently when I'm unregulated, then I have the cognitive knowing 
alongside or the cognitive noticing, oh, a part of me is really fucking anxious. Yes. And then I can explore, but I'm not, I'm anxious. What's wrong with me? I'm like, oh, I'm definitely having a panic attack or another heart attack. One of those right now. Or, you know, what's going on on in my body? And I used to solve anxiety by trying to think my way out of it, right? And so just having that framework as a system and what's happened over two and a half years of practicing IFS and becoming a student, and um, I don't think I have any intention of getting certified because I don't do enough Mm one-on-one, but being level one trained, what I didn't know then, well, now it's automatic, right? So that system has literally ingrained. Right. It's the way I respond eight right. out of 10 times now. Yes. So that's actually, and I tell my clients, I said, from what I've seen, this is a very small data point, but the clients of mine who I work closest with and who practice it outside of sessions in about six months, they have an experience that would have dysregulated them in the past. Mm-hmm. And they find themselves aware of it and supporting that part and staying calm and regulated. And they come to me and they're like, oh my God, in the past, this would have really flipped me out. And I was unusually calm, but I wasn't disassociated. Yeah. So that is a huge system. It's why there's so much of it in my book from a layperson standpoint. Yeah, I love that. And you know, the, the eight C's of the core self, that model, one of them is creativity. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've taught myself and and some some client uh, work that I do, I, I get into this with them is if your your parts don't create, so they don't create. They 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 can help. Some some parts help, some parts hinder, but they don't create. Um, it's like they're not courageous. You are courageous. Your parts are something else related to maybe protective. Maybe that's what they are. Um, and and I think. You, you have to develop the, a relationship with your parts or like how um, uh, Jill Bolt Taylor in Whole Brain Living talked about like the huddle of the four different parts of the brain mm-hmm. um, is that you have to be as an artist, a creator, you, ha- you, are respo- you are responsible for your relationship with your own mind because if you're not, it will own your ass yes. and it will dictate for you things that you don't want. It will affect your happiness. It'll affect your confidence. And it doesn't mean to be dominant over your parts, but you you are in charge of them. They do work for you at the end of the I'm day. A, I'm responsible. Like yes. I'm able to respond. I have a, a duty of love to myself to, to manage my mind, to manage yes. my emotions, to manage yeah. my physical health. And, and as far Absolutely. as... Yeah. And as far as systems go, what I have learned is you have to find, especially for ADHD years, we have to find our baseline, kind of the baseline, mm-hmm. like daily practices. So this has been mm-hmm. a new thing I've been doing and then teaching others is da- think less about habits and more about practices because we suck at habits. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it just, mm-hmm. you know, not in our, we don't have the, we don't have the dopamine to do habits, but we do mm-hmm. have great ability to create practices and then therefore Mm -hmm. it creates rhythm. And then we're not using executive function. Like you talked about, it's so ingrained, you're just doing it. And what I love to do with that is systems that um, are kind of, they're they're stackable. Mm -hmm. Uh, James Clear talked about this in in his book on habits. Um, 
the, the stackable habits and stackable rhythms, um, like doing push-ups while waiting for the coffee to brew mm-hmm. or, um, tr- you know, tr- that those type of things, those are systems. Yeah. And what they're all of this to, to me, the whole point of systems isn't necessarily about productivity. The whole mm-hmm. point of systems is about autonomy mm-hmm. because we'll give that away to something or someone if we don't have a mm-hmm. sense of control because our right. world as ADHDers feels often like we don't have any control. So when we do, when we realize, oh, I am, re- I, I can build a system and it works for me. That's very empowering or repowering um, in the process. Yeah, a year ago, I went to um, an event and there was a, a woman there who works with a lot of HR places about accessibility. And I thought she was going to be talking about physical disability, mm. accessibility. I have a, a niece who's in a wheelchair and it was all about neurodiversity accessibility. And she talked about standard operating procedures. And I just loved reclaiming yeah. SOPs from yeah. the business world. And I looked up and I realized, oh, I have created standard operating procedures. So like in my calendar, you know, I was trained a time block, but that's too rigid for me. So I have essence pockets. Mm-hmm. They're not even blocks because I have I have space on either end, so I could draw a circle, but like essence bubbles, right? So that first one is this personal, creative, n- nourishing practices is the first four hours of my day, right? And then the pocket of client care and service, um, the empty space pockets, right? Like, and and those are I look up and I go, oh, that's just the way I do things now. And it, I looked back and saw a system. And now that I know, um, a lot of times what happens when I'm following my intuition is the system is created and then I document it, like you were saying. So this is, I'm holding up another picture and it's a sticker made out of a giant poster I made one day with it's the eight C's of IFS and they're in a very specific order Mm -hmm. and there is no order that they teach them to us. They, they talk about it all different way, but I noticed that I wrote calm, connected, compassionate, curious, confident, creative, clear, and courageous. And I was like, well, holy shit, that's my fucking business plan right there. That (laughs) is my plan for anything. And if my first priority is calm, my nervous system is my state of being. I used to, some people in my world are like, my state of being is primary. And I'm like, no, my nervous system is primary right. because I can't get a state of being without my nervous system. Right. And then, then I can connect within and I can be compassionate with what shows up. And then all of a sudden I get curious. And then really quickly, once I've created that space and those parts are relaxed, confident, creative, clear, and courageous, those are all the things we need to execute in our business. This I was like, oh my God, this is my business plan. So I have a podcast out there of how the eight C's are my business plan. I love that. And it's, it was a system I created, right? Yeah. And in the past, I'd be like, oh, I have to have my coach. I better self-coach and be curious. Well, if I'm not curious from calm. Doesn't matter. And and you said presence earlier. That was the thing I was missing early in my IFS because I was so in my head. But creating that somatic attunement to myself or to nature or to a dog or to another human being is 80% of any of my ADHD systems. 
Right. And you said something that is a kind of a good stopping point here because you said, I created a system. Mm-hmm. Created and system. It's not I adopted a system. It's not that I went mm-hmm. and I took a class and got a system. Mm-hmm. Um, I created a system. And if if we mm-hmm. can create our own systems, we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Gonna be okay. We just have to give ourselves like self-validation like right. hey this is what works for me and right if you combine that with the trauma then you've got the part of you that's like trying to please everybody so i've i've done yeah. a lot of growth in that i'm like no this has to be okay for me this is what i'm available for i'm not available for scaling to say up to seven yeah. figures it it destroys the cells in my body yes i'm exactly. not available to even consider that <laughs> right yes exactly I, there's so many things like that i mean that's a whole other episode about how you have to listen to your own soul to develop your your business i don't i don't want a, to come up with a 10 part course that i no yeah i carpet bomb people with click funnels i don't care yeah exactly it's like pizza i was just thinking about that you know how there's the whole debate about pineapple on pizza which by the way i'm totally pro pineapple and pepperoni but a lot of people are just horrified by that and a pizza is this thing that you can make even like if you're gluten-free you can come up with a pizza and, and everybody has their own recipe of what their best pizza is and there's so many variations and so I I really invite people with ADHD to really consider what do I like what textures and flavors and and how do I how do if there were no rules what would I do right for some people it's I would work all night long and sleep all day right and you gotta I mean that's the ideation standpoint is like what do you want your life to look like what do you want your days to be filled with now I am sensitive and socially aware that if, you know, you're a single mom, um, uh, yes. you're working three jobs and, or you're in a domestic violence situation or, you know, or you're, there's a lot of there's. I'm very aware of the privilege of designing yes. our own systems. Um, and uh, th- those of us that do have some level of, economic means maybe not you know mm-hmm. but just call it economic means um i really do believe the inability or the or the, uh, maybe the unwillingness and or the inability to create your own systems to design your own life is why we have a mental health crisis mm-hmm. it's not just unintegrated trauma yeah that's mm-hmm. part of it but it's because the trauma taught us that we don't have the power to change our lives and what art does, art shows you that you can change your life because you can make shit that didn't exist before, which I said this to someone the other day, there's no, it, that, that makes us as close to God as anything there is. When we can create yeah, nothing within our eyesight, we can look around yeah. and somebody created that from nothing. From nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And that and, and, and I will say likely the person that created that thing from nothing has, is, is neurodiverse. So, right. And probably had, right, like, like, I'm going to agree with you on the sense that when somebody is in a survival mode or threat response, which can be from our own circumstances, or it can absolutely be systemic and economic, then that person's nervous system is, is, it's not a threat response because somebody's attacking you. It is a sustained over time threat response that does 
use the resources that we use for creativity. So absolutely acknowledging that. Yeah, um, exactly. Absolutely acknowledging the privilege of that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Allison. This was really fun. I can't wait to um, just, I mean, continue the conversation on not recording it. So uh, thank, <laughs> thank you, you for inviting me to talk about these things. They mean a lot to my heart and your work means a lot to my heart. So thank, thank you. you. Back at you.